The battle in Christian life is resistance to God. And it's not so much that we just don't know what to do. Some of that is there. We're just too resistant. The subtleties of self-reliance are all around us. We think that we can control everything, but we can't. So we need to surrender. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. Crawford just said that we need to surrender, but to whom and why? Well, to the Holy Spirit, because as believers, we're made to depend on His power. When we do that, we're free to experience real change, real power, and real and purposeful direction. Well, today we conclude a series Crawford has been leading us through for a number of weeks now, the title, Supernatural. It has helped us get a better grasp on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a true believer. We've learned just who the Holy Spirit is, His works, His role in salvation, what it means to be filled and led by the Spirit, and today, the second half of last week's message, The Holy Spirit and the Advance of the Gospel. Crawford has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years. He currently heads the organization Beyond Our Generation, providing mentoring resources to those in ministry leadership. Now, last week, Crawford began to share four ways in which the Holy Spirit advances the gospel through us. We got to the first two, through power and through boldness, and we'll pick it up right there today. Our text is Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. Boldness is not a part of an over-the-top personality. The boldness that we're talking about here in the book of Acts is not a part of a natural bent. Some of us are just naturally outgoing. We're very strong personalities, this kind of thing. You know, some of us just have those kinds of personalities. And so it would be a wrong thing to think that he's talking about that kind of personality. No, he's not talking about personality. He's talking about what the Holy Spirit produces. Boldness doesn't doesn't manifest itself in your Myers-Briggs or whatever you want to take. That's not what he's talking about here. Boldness is produced by the Spirit of God. In fact, there's a little illusion here when he said, I know the background of some of y'all, and y'all ought not to be talking like this. You are common people. You have no place in society. You have no platform. You're not a part of this group. You have ruled anything. And by the way, Peter, I'm still smelling fish on you. So it's wrong to say that boldness is a part of a personality. Boldness is a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God. You've heard me talk a lot about Bill Bright here, but I got to tell you, Bill Bright was the late founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. The organization just exploded and grew under his leadership. 20,000 staff members, all the impact that's happening, the Jesus film and all of this sort of thing. Now, if you never met Dr. Bright, you would assume that somebody who's leading all of that is sort of like a, a type A personality, swashbuckling, strong, and this kind of thing. But then when you meet Dr. Bright, if that's your paradigm, you go, Oh my, you know, he, he, was, he was a shy person. He was an introvert. In fact, he didn't do small talk at all. Very reticent to talk about himself. But he was the boldest man I've ever met in my life. So it's not a manifestation of a personality type. When God lays his hand on you, when he calls you, when he directs you, when he gives you the spirit of God and you're filled by him, you'll be marked by boldness. 
So after they slap them on the hands, they go back to the church and believers are praying for them. And the believers start praying after they hear the release and it says in verse 29, and now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. God, don't let us let up. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, let me backdoor this a little bit. The boldness is used about 11 times in the book of Acts. And each time the word is used, it's used in the context of opposition to the message. Interesting, isn't it? Each time boldness is used, it's used in the context of opposition to the message. It's almost as if God says, no matter what happens, this message will be heard. And he uses common broken people to share this incredible, incredible message. The word bold actually means what it is. I don't, I don't, you know, I spent some time looking up the Greek and I say, you know, sometimes, I mean, the Greek says the same thing. It just means confidence. It means a persistent confidence. But check it out. This confidence is not the same thing as our confidence. The way we build our confidence usually is on incremental successes. We've been there before. We know that, yeah, I've had this experience and so I, Chill, I can relax, I'm faced with a new thing, but if it's a part of my experience stream, I've done this before, done this before, done this, I don't need to be, stand up, straighten up, and you can do this thing. That's not what boldness is here. Boldness is not quite like that. It is not derived from a series of successes. It is derived from the power of a person. And that person being the Holy Spirit. It is supernatural. In fact, I would argue with you, we gotta be very careful. Successful experiences in your walk with God and even in a church can work against authentic spiritual boldness because it causes you to trust in what you've done rather than trusting the one who did it. So that's boldness. And we need a renewed awareness of the Spirit's power and presence in our, in our lives and in our witness. We need a, a renewal. God can use you, and there's nothing that will stop what God wants to do. Now, we don't need to be intimidating. I'm not saying to be obnoxious. Be very careful. I'm not saying go on your job and break all kinds of rules and get in people's face and this kind of thing. But our message is not to be shared timidly. There's a boldness and a rightness about it. So, the first two ways in which the Holy Spirit advances the gospel through us is through power. Secondly, it's through boldness. Well, then thirdly, these, this is the external stuff in terms of what he brings to us. Thirdly, it's through opportunity, how he orchestrates these things. I could go to a number of places in the book of Acts, but let's take a look at Philip in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8. We pick this up here. Philip is an evangelist. And uh, God laid his hand on him in, in a very uh, unusual way. God gave him giftedness to see fruitfulness and to share the gospel effectively. And so Philip is an evangelist, and, and the Spirit of God is guiding him. Now, pick it up in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. I'm going to come back to that. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, 
a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was a God-fearing man, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit, capital S, as in Holy Spirit, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now, park it there for a second. You gotta see where the opportunity arises. Most of us in this room would have said that if you wanna reach people, Philip, it ain't strategic for you to be going on that road. Why do you say that? Well, remember that little line I read, this is a desert place. Philip must have been, he he had to be, he had to be thinking and wondering why God was leading him to this lonely place. Ain't no people here. I know this road. It is desolate. (laughs) Sometimes God's opportunities don't appear to be strategic. And I think this is a word for all of us here, especially this old boy up here. You be careful, 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 careful. Careful of making assumptions about the Lord. God doesn't run his kingdom the same way in which we build our business plans. God knows things that we don't know. And I also think whether it's in a church or whether it's in our personal lives, every plan that we have ought to be written in pencil. Every single one. Because during the course of your life and during the course of my life, God will bring us opportunity that doesn't square with what we think is strategic or where we ought to be. He will give fruit to stuff that we think is is absolutely categorically ridiculous and a waste of time. And that's where the leading of the Holy Spirit comes. That's the reason why we have to submit to him. That's the reason why we have to press into him. Because what seems logical to us may be illogical to God. What seems logical to him may not make sense to us. But guess who wins? So Philip does that. And you know, he's probably right along and says, I don't know why he's leading me through here. It is hot and I don't see nobody. And what in the world? He looks over there and sees this ornate chariot. Is this a mirage? Am I having a heat stroke here? Am I dehydrated? And he, he, he's prodded by the Spirit to go and talk to the eunuch. Prodded by the Spirit to go talk to him. By the way, open doors are meaningless unless we walk through them. Did you hear what I said? It's an obvious thing. I think that God has given us more open doors than we are aware of because we're too obsessed with ourselves. An open door, you can talk about open doors all you want to, they're meaningless unless we walk through them. Philip could have said, "Ah, mm, ah, mm, he don't look like he's from here, I don't know what he's up to, he looks like a very important person, and surely God must have some other folks. No, he was prodded. No, this is the reason why you're here in the desert. Go over there and talk to him. And what does he find out? Lo and behold, when he gets there, homeboy is reading from Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 8. Are you serious? You talk about low-hanging fruit. And so, 
Philip goes over there and, and you know, the Ethiopian said, I don't understand this. I'm captured by this. I don't know what it's said. I, I think I can help you, my man. I can help you. And Philip leads him to Jesus. You see, God had prepared Philip to go speak to the person that he had prepared to listen. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. I, I don't feel as much pressure as I used to feel about necessarily witnessing to everybody. Now, I try to take the initiative and the opportunity and this kind of thing, but I find myself praying more, God, lead me to those that you have prepared to hear. Not that they will all say yes, but God is preparing people in your sphere of influence to hear the gospel. He's preparing them. You ought to pray, pray that, God, I go in this family union, reunion, I don't, you know, they're gonna be all lit up and stuff. I don't know what's gonna happen here, but will you, will you lead me to those that you're working on? And God had been working on him. By the way, little side note here, most scholars believe that it was this Ethiopian eunuch that introduced Christianity into that region of Northern Africa that went throughout the continent. Sometimes what we think is strategic, God says, seriously? I'll show you strategic. And so he walks through the door. What doors are God opening around you? Are you aware of them? You wear the lost people around you? Are you in a position to be around lost people? That's the first question. Whose hearts are being softened? Who's far from God but are open? And the Spirit of God provides those opportunities. Fourthly and finally, the way in which he advances the gospel through us is through power. Yeah, that has to do with ability. Uh, boldness, yeah, that has to do with spiritual assertiveness. And uh, opportunity, that has to do with open doors. But then I want to use specifically the term strategy. That has to do with his plan. His plan. His strategy, that sounds like a business thing. Well, no, that, that, that term's a good term. Did you know, did you know, I mean, some of us think that the Apostle Paul and the rest of them, they just sort of sat around and they didn't have any plan to do anything. God gave them a strategy. A little bit off here. Did you know that Paul did seven things every time he went to the city? Did you know that? These seven things he did, he was strategic. He didn't just show up and say, okay, you want to need Jesus. You, he had a plan. First, he, he, traveled, he traveled to cities. And the reason why he traveled to cities is because from the cities would extend influence. He always traveled with a team because he was committed to spiritual multiplication. That's why he traveled with a team. It, accountability and discipleship was going on. He always went to the synagogue first where he preached the gospel to the Jews. They would come and give their hearts to Jesus. Then he'd go out from the synagogue. He'd go to the Agora, the marketplace where the Gentiles hung out. And he would preach the gospel there. And then what he would do is take a strategic retreat and begin to disciple the converts. When he discipled the converts, he would watch them grow. And then he would appoint leaders. After he appointed leaders, he would establish a church. But he did those seven things each time. So he was very strategic and God gave him that strategy. So to be spirit-led does not mean, okay, what do we do next? Oh, the Holy Ghost is like, oh, no, that's not necessarily so. Not necessarily so. I'm going to give you two illustrations real quickly. And I, uh, one, one comes from uh, the church at Antioch over in Acts chapter 13. And I want you to know where, how the positioning of strategy. 
Be very careful of coming up with your idea to impact and reach people and giving it to God and having him sanction it. What we, we ought to do that reverse. It's the other way around. First, you go to God, and you ask God, what do you want to do? Now, it's not that he doesn't speak through brainstorming. He says he often does, often does. But you go to him. You don't make assumptions. You don't come up with your best made ideas, and then all of a sudden say, oh, God, bless this. And we see this model of the church of Antioch there. What, what happened there? Uh, verses 1 and 2, the church at Antioch there. Actually, it was a multi-ethnic church. There are multi-ethnic leaders in this church. Pretty interesting model here from the very beginning. And now we come to verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Listen to that expression. That's not just a throwaway line. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice the order. What were they doing first before God revealed the plan? They were worshiping and they were fasting. And I want to suggest to you that even fasting indicates that the church was, a, was in a posture of expectancy. They were expecting God to speak. Our problem is, is that we don't expect God to speak. They were expecting him to speak. They were fasting and they were worshiping, meaning that they were pursuing intimacy with God. And as they got close to him, as Psalm, I believe it is 25 verse 14 says, that the secret things belong to those who fear me. God spoke to them. Carnal Christians are never effective in evangelism because holiness and intimacy precede insight and fruitfulness. It was out of that God spoke and said, okay, now, I know you like Paul and you like these guys. They're here and they're building the church. That's right. And Paul is one of the key teachers here, impact here, but you got to cut them loose. You don't hold on to people because they're fruitful for where, where you are. You hold on to them because God wants them there and you let them go because God is sending them elsewhere. And so they did that. Another illustration of this strategy side of things is seen over in Acts chapter 16, verses six through 10. And I want you to see something interesting here. So Paul is now traveling. He's traveling with Timothy and uh, Silas. And uh, they have this ministry plan that, God, that they felt God gave them. And this is the reason why we have to keep listening to the Lord. God's purposes always have a degree of uncertainty in them. And the reason why they has a degree of uncertainty in it is because if we were sure about everything God wanted to do, our plans would replace God. So there's uncertainty here. And so listen, listen to these words here. This is pretty interesting to me. Verse 6 says, and they, you know, uh, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden, listen to this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Messiah, they uh, attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia and concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That's where the European the gospel, the gospel was entered, uh, introduced to Europe. Now, I want you to notice something here. 
God's guidance is both negative and positive. He, he stops us from doing certain things so that he can get us on the path to doing what he wants done. And don't just assume because he told you to do something yesterday that that's necessarily the same thing that he wants you to do tomorrow. This is the reason why you have to keep listening to the Spirit of God. Now, I got to tell you, this is where I have failed. I have a personality. The positive way of putting it is that I persevere. Now, if you talk to my wife, she would say there's probably a bit of stubbornness there, too. In, in my life, there have been those times in which I, I just sort of like kept pressing into something, kept pressing into it. And there was, there was hindrances, there was roadblocks there. And, you know, typically, what do you think? Well, there's spiritual warfare. So let's, let's you know, put our arm in spiritual warfare. And, and, you know, and the Lord's up in heaven and say, ah, you know, that's an idiot. I, you know, the devil ain't got nothing to do with that. I'm stopping him. And that's where you need discernment. You got to pull away. If you keep getting, sometimes it is spiritual warfare. The devil's not going to sit back in his lazy boy lounge while you obey God. That's for sure. Sometimes it is spiritual warfare, but sometimes it's God stopping you because he wants you over here. He doesn't want you to do this anymore. He says, Paul, Paul, you're making assumptions about Asia. You're making assumptions about going in this direction. I don't want you over there. And so you need to stop and spend some time with the Lord and pray and ask God, God, are you redirecting me? What are you saying? See, he's the author of strategy. We call our set of assumptions strategy. No, he's the author of strategy. It's not only what he wants you to do, it's where and when and how. And he's the author of that as well. And there's never a time in which we stop depending on the Lord. The key to all of this, and this is where it all comes together, is the filling and control of the Holy Spirit. If we're not controlled by the Spirit of God, we will always be making assumptions about God. Fruitfulness will be a matter of rolling the dice, flipping the coin. You know, God doesn't have a speech impediment, but neither is he gonna raise his voice. He wants us to get to a place where we're dependent upon him, where we're surrendered to him. We're listening, we're controlled by him. So you say, this is the way, walk in it. And we can recognize the open doors. Crawford Lorenz here on Living a Legacy. Four ways in which the Holy Spirit advances the gospel through us. Number one, through power, inherent ability. Number two, through boldness, spiritual assertiveness. Number three, by opportunity, open doors, and number four, by bringing strategy to us. And with that, we wrap up Crawford's series, Supernatural, the Ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, was the series helpful? Let us know. It would be a tremendous encouragement to Crawford. I'll have our email address in just a moment. If you missed some of the earlier messages in this Supernatural series, they are available to stream. Look for the past programs link at livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. And you can download these for free. Look for the MP3 link on our website. Our email address, legacy at moody.edu, legacy at moody.edu. 
Thanks for being with us today. For Dr. Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.